everyone. Welcome to the Bulletproof Hygiene Podcast, where mistakes are welcome, nothing is off limits, and growth is inevitable. I am Sharissa Wood. I'm Brittany Simon. And we are putting our brains together to bring you the tools you need to elevate your hygiene practice, build amazing team culture, and provide patients with the very best care. Our mission is to help empower and equip every hygienist to practice purposeful, profitable hygiene. We look to guide you on your journey towards career fulfillment by providing support, collaboration, and community to our profession. As two of the top producing hygienists in the country, we know firsthand that these things lead to sustainable and fulfilling practice and the happy side effect of high profitability. So let's get to it. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another week of Bulletproof Hygiene. We hope you are kicking off 2023 with um, new excitement and opportunity for this year of taking care of your patients and just finding fulfillment in what you're doing on the day-to-day. And I'm really excited about today's topic. We We have entitled this podcast, One Big Happy Family, and we are joined today by Erica Facillo, and she is our fabulous team Bulletproof coach. And she is going to talk about navigating team communication and conflict resolution. And if you missed our previous podcast with Erica, I highly recommend that you go back and listen to that. That was episode 70. So go backwards and take a listen. But um, she just has a really amazing story and journey into dentistry that I think is so valuable for everyone to listen to. Um, And just kind of her process of how she became the director of operations at this Fodak Dental Group. So um, I wanted to have Erica join us here as we kick off 2023 to help set our minds on effective team communication and how to address conflict in a healthy and productive way. And you often hear us say that dentistry is a team sport. And in order to be effective, productive, and achieve mutual goals and objectives, we have to work together. And honestly, most of us spend more time with our work family than we do with our home families. So the question is, how do we operate as one big happy family? And I want to say welcome, Erica. I want to kick it off to you. And I'm really excited for this conversation. Yeah, thanks for having me back on. I really enjoy connecting with you. And uh, happy new year. Happy new year, everybody. Um, that was an awesome introduction. And, you know, we all have those different stories, you know, on how we got into dentistry. And, you know, I certainly have mine. And I think that We use our story for our fuel and, you know, that experience got us to where we are today. And so I, you know, really cherish being able to share that with you guys and being vulnerable and open um, because it isn't always, um, you know, a a happy path. And I think it relates to what we're going to be talking about today is that, you know, it's normal to have ups and downs. Like that's a part of life. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think that before we even have this conversation, I think we all have to agree that, you know, being part of a family, being part of a team, there's going to be struggle, right? There's going to be miscommunication. There's going to be ups and downs. Um, You know, we may not want to admit it, but we all do have that wacky family member, you know, maybe that crazy uncle or crazy assistant, whatever that is. But, um, you know, I think that's the the joy and the fun of having a family, having a team is, is how that all plays out. And Obviously, we work better together when we build really solid relationships and conflicts are much easier to solve when we have good rapport and trust. Absolutely. I agree with you on that. And, you know, before we even dive into the tactical side of how do we navigate when we actually get to an upset, it's 
what do we do? What do we put in place in our practice so that we minimize the upsets? And then when we have them, they're easier to solve and resolve. And, you know, that really starts by creating um, a, a positive atmosphere. And the positive atmosphere is related to the way that you build rapport within your team is that when you have underlying relationships, you can connect with people more one-on-one on their level versus when you don't understand somebody or don't know where they're coming from, I think that you ensue, like assume bad intent. And when you have a relationship with somebody, you typically assume good intent and then something happened, miscommunication, you know, accident, whatever it was that led to the upset. And so, um, you know, within your practices, what is it that you guys are doing or bringing to um, to help bring your team together and to connect? And, you know, for us and what's worked well is that we actually schedule social events periodically throughout the year where we're not talking about work. We're not trying to combine, you know, a meeting and a social event, truly a social event where we can just get to know one another that helps so, so much. And it's great. You know, you feel so much appreciation for the people that you work for. The more you know about them, you can learn about their stories, learn about their families. Um, and then you find some common ground. And that's really what it's all about is with, when you're in a community, you decide to be in the community you're in because you relate. And so when you're at that social event and you find ways to relate, now you have that connection and now you have that basic relationship that you're looking for. Yeah. And I think so many times we can be, I don't think we always are, but I think we can be a very different person at work than we are outside of work. And I think it's that, you know, stepping outside and relaxing and letting your guard down and letting people see who you are. And, um, cause I think, you know, we, a lot of times assume we have to be a certain way at work and we kind of try to fit into that mold, but if we can step back and, and just be who we are and let each other see that and, and create that vulnerability, I think that carries back into the team. And then we can find ourselves being more of who we are and accepted as, as who we are and how we function and how we communicate. And I think it's just so much healthier. Absolutely. You know, I even think about it for myself, you know, I come into work and I'm definitely, you know, more on, uh, you know, I'm more reserved. I'm more conservative. You know, I am more diplomatic and, you know, straight to the point because, you know, as an office manager, there's a lot of things we have to get done in any given day. So, you know, I'm trying to manage how I can, and I may be shorter with people because I don't have the time to have these long, elaborate social conversations. And so stepping outside of the office then allows me to connect with the team, they get to know me a little bit better. And then hopefully, you know, at the end of that event, they realize, oh, okay, yeah, she is cool. You know, she she is fun. Like she does have a sense of humor, you know, and um, then it helps even myself when it comes to helping other team members resolve their issues. They understand where my heart is, you yes. know, and like my intentions and my heart, my intention is to make it better so that we can work better together. There's nothing worse than coming into an office and having this dark cloud over your shoulder. You know, it's it's unhealthy. And the thing is, is that it doesn't just stay with you. So, you know, coming into an office and you have something that's unresolved and upset that you haven't communicated yet, and you have that feeling and you walk in, everyone else can sense it. You know, yes. people don't hide that well. And even our patients, you know, yes. our patients can sense an underlying tension or bad relationships within our team. So it's really important, not just because, oh, it's it's a fun workplace and it's happier when you have a good culture, good communication and less upsets. 
patients are affected by them. And so that affects your business when patients come in and say, mm, something doesn't feel good. Right. And, and that's, you know, another motivation, hopefully, for some people that are saying, oh, you know, it's so much work to, you know, build relationships within the team. Like, we're here to do dentistry. I got it. But dentistry doesn't happen when your consumer, your patient doesn't have that trust or feel comfortable in your environment. And that's why relationships matter. 100%. I I agree with that so much. Um, I think in the direction of kind of viewing this as one big happy family, I wanted to just kind of break down what real like home families need, because I think it's so applicable for what team families need. And I kind of want to just kind of go through those and dig into those and talk about, you know, what you have found to be productive in those arenas and in creating those atmospheres um, just to help our listeners. So I think first and foremost, when we're thinking about families, we always want to have that love and care present. And, you know, I think all of us would agree that team members, employees, um, you know, management all do their best possible work when everyone knows that their hard work is recognized and valued. I mean, I think everyone wants to be part of something great, right? An organization that really does make an impact. And I think it's especially important when the venue like ours is that of caring for others nonstop. Like we have to feel cared for ourselves to turn around and give that back to someone. And you want to feel like what you're doing really, really matters. So what are your thoughts on how to create a really caring yet also professional environment? Yeah, I love this. You know, a few years ago, we as a team really dived in to this topic and we had an aha moment and we said, oh my goodness, you know, out there in the industry, we always hear patient first. And we said, you know what? It's team first. And so at our office, our mindset is team first, because when you feel loved, taken care of, then you have the bandwidth to love and take care of someone else. And it also goes back to, so even in your personal life, right? It's New Year's, everybody has New Year's resolutions. People are more focused on self-care and more motivated to make some big positive changes for themselves. And it is true. When when self is taken care of, when team is taken care of, now you have the opportunity to really care for other people. And so that's what that's about. We change that. The other thing is, is that Sometimes I'll, again, put the office manager hat back on when I have a short amount of time and I've got to get a lot of things resolved. I'm going to work on fixing the problems and fixing the fires and typically having more of those constructive conversations than I am about having the positive ones because those aren't making noises, right? Those aren't causing me problems and headaches. And so you really have to build into your culture and, you know, schedule in that time to appreciate people. And so what we have built in so that we don't forget we're, we're human beings, like, you know, our, our, everything within our lives is constantly tugging at our attention. And if we don't schedule it in, it's easy to forget it or to put it off. So every morning in our huddle, we actually have a section that's kudos. Every single morning, we start out our day by talking about what went right who, who did what, what can we appreciate, you know, and it's somebody acknowledging someone else. And when you have that consistent environment of acknowledging people, it becomes routine and normal. Like we're normalizing those things. And so now our automatic is looking for what's right versus constantly seeking what's wrong. And that really helps to build that, that feeling with your team of, of trust and appreciation 
and that goes a really long way. Yeah, for sure. Um, I know you guys also, because that is extremely important that we acknowledge each other and we do point out the right and we do celebrate the wins. Um, and then I think there's also an important place for kind of checking in with each other and making sure everyone is okay. Because, you know, some team members are going to come and tell you all the things and all the concerns and some are more reserved and quiet and they may not actually verbalize some things that are happening internally. So you guys have some systems for checking in and, and seeing where things are at, correct? Absolutely. So, you know, typically what's standard is that you have one year, one review, right, with your team members. And that's just not enough one-on-one time. And to your point, we have all different types of personalities and there are people that are more vocal about things and there are people that are more reserved and they withhold and they bottle it. So for those people, if you don't initiate that conversation, it's going to be very hard and challenging for them to initiate it themselves. They almost feel like they don't have permission or they feel like they're going to cause a problem. And so they keep it bottled up. And then what happens is eventually that explodes and that can become a very big problem and hard to resolve when it goes for so long. And so we do quarterly check-ins with every single team member. In the beginning, when I implemented the system, I checked in with every single doctor, with every single uh, hygienist, assistant, business team member, you name it, everyone, I checked in at least every three months. And during those meetings, I got to learn a lot about my team that I wouldn't have if I didn't. And we give them the opportunity to say a little bit about themselves and to actually learn more about their skill sets outside of dentistry, which ends up being really cool. And I'll say, what came out of it? It made me, it made me a better leader because the more you understand people, the better problem solver you are. And that's what we're talking about. Like, how can we solve problems? Like when you have an underlying intent and a good heart to make things right and to make things better, the way to do that is to understand how it's a win on both sides. And so you have to understand what's a, what does a win look like for your team member? And so when you're checking in with them and you're saying, Hey, you know, give me some feedback. How's the practice doing? How am I doing as a team leader? Acknowledge your team, appreciate all the things that they're doing. Um, Then you give them an opportunity to give them some feedback as well on how to learn and how to grow. You know, we call that constructive feedback and constructive really means like to build the information that might not be as positive, right? Constructive feedback usually is a correction. It really is in an effort to build somebody to get them to the next level. When you have that mindset, that comes across in those meetings, you know, versus like, hey, I'm going to use this as a roast or or persecution or a way to tell somebody, hey, like you're really like missing the ball. And so what comes out of that is that I've learned with my team members and, and one in particular, you know, she had told me, hey, in, in one of my other jobs, this was an admin person, And one of my other jobs, I actually would be the person to call and reach out to patients or it was for the patients actually was in banking, but she would call and collect past due balances. And she's like, you know, I'm really good at it. And I actually really enjoy to do that. And my jaw drops and I'm like, oh my gosh, no one has said that ever. I think that's the worst job in the entire practice. And how cool is that? Instead of me having to say, or pick and choose and say, oh, you know what? I think Becky has a little extra time. I'm going to say, Becky, you know what? I need you to call all these patients and collect the past due balances. Now I know Josie likes it, is good at it, has experience in it. 
now I can say, oh my gosh, Josie, would you like this opportunity? And she's like, yeah, I'm going to crush it. And she does. And so it helps me be a better leader to say, I'm placing people in the best positions so that they have a great work experience and they're doing more of the things that they love. And so in those reviews, those check-ins, I actually have a sheet. So I have those team members fill it out. Um, it always relates to our core values. That's really, really intrinsic to us to make sure that we are consistent with who we say we are. And then I give them the opportunity to, you know, fill in like, what are those things that they enjoy to do? Because I want to give them the opportunity to do more of that, do more of what they love. Yeah, that is so important, Erica. And I think such a healthy way of looking at reviews, because I have a feeling probably some of our listeners are thinking when you hear reviews, you do kind of have that negative connotation of like, okay, I'm going to sit down and hear all the things I've been doing wrong. But I think if we are doing this in a really healthy, productive manner, it's going to benefit everyone, the team and the practice. Because like you said, people will bring forward their strengths, those things that they're passionate about, those ways that they're built that will fulfill them as they're doing it, but also fulfill the role that the practice needs. So super, super important. I love that. Yeah. I think another thing, and just thinking about the love and care of family is obviously life has a lot of hills and valleys. Um, And, you know, being, having someone by your side when those happen is super, super important. And that's what family does. That's what team does. So I know, you know, sometimes there are issues that come up in life where we may be dealing with something outside of work that may be taking some of our attention and some of our energy, which is understandable because life is what it is. Um, But I know that you guys have a good plan in place when people do need to take some time away and you do have that opportunity to say, hey, we love you. We're supporting you. Let's look at what we need to do on that front as well. Absolutely. You know, it all comes back to, to mindset and the intention again. So I'll say as an office manager, our role is to make sure the practice is running and that we're seeing patients and that we're making money, right? Ultimately. And the way to be really effective at that is to understand how all of that really works. And it's driven by the team that's actually supporting all of those policies and systems and functions. And so even if you remove the the emotional element to it and you think about a machine, you have to care for it. You have to oil it. You have to reset it. Maybe it has to shut down and reboot and software update. You know, our team does too. And I also like to say, when I make a lot of decisions, when it comes to, you know, dealing with team is I'm a human too. And I also have to think about it in a less robotic way of saying, you know what, like if I were in this situation, how would I appreciate that this was handled? Because it's easier to be stern in certain ways, right? On one end, because it doesn't relate to you, or maybe you don't understand. And then when something does relate to you to then say, oh, you know what? Um, I wish I was softer or more gentle or kind with this person. And so when I recognize that a team member is not performing as they usually do. My my gut instinct or my assumption is not because they're not wanting to work and not because they're wanting to do something wrong or that they're acting out. And I think that's a very fur that's that's a trap that a lot of office managers I think can get within is because again, they're gonna think of something's not working right problem and now there's an upset, you know? When my first presumption is let me find out more information you know, and let me see if there's something underlying going on because I can address the work stuff, but let me see if there's something that I'm missing. And so I've had this happen with multiple team members and they'll 
pull this person aside and I'll say, hey, is everything okay? That's the first thing I say. I don't even address what even happened. Is everything okay? And now if they say, yeah, yeah, I know. Why? What's wrong? Now, now I'm like, okay, cool. Now we're, we're going to talk about the work stuff. But sometimes that person might, you know, take a moment. You'll see their state change. You know, they might kind of slump or take their sigh. And then they say, you know what? I've really been struggling. I've got X, Y, and Z happening at home and blah, blah, blah. So now you can relate. You can connect. You can understand. And then you can problem solve together. You can collaborate together on how we can do our best to make it work within work. And so there have been times where I've made temporary accommodations. Maybe somebody's struggling with something they're going through, um, you know, a challenging time or, you know, their kids or divorce or something like that. And I'm able to say, hey, maybe I can modify your schedule. Have you leave a little bit earlier, come in a little bit later on certain days, or maybe I have the opportunity to decrease their days from five to four, from four to three, if that's applicable for a short, short amount of time, just for them to get right, to get what they need to have done and to come back and to, to rebound to where they were before. And so it just, it has all the meaning in the world. Like you have to know when to be flexible and and when to be rigid, you know, be rigid in your values, be rigid in your principles, be rigid in, you know, being authentic but you have to be flexible with people and understanding that we're human beings and life throws curveballs at you and um, put yourself in the driver's seat and try to resolve that as if, it, if you were going through that problem. Yeah, I love that. And it's so important because to keep team members for, you know, the duration of your practice and to really have people invested, they got to know that they're cared for regardless of what's happening. So I just think that is beautiful and super, super valuable. Hey, all of you listeners out there, we appreciate your time, dedication to growth and patient care, and of course, Bulletproof Hygiene. If you're looking for the opportunity to become even more Bulletproof while also needing to fulfill your CE requirements, because let's be honest, we've all been really busy this year, and I know some of you may be looking to get those last hours in before the end of the year deadline. We'd love to point you toward our Bulletproof Hygiene Mastery Course which has individual modules so you can go at your own pace to gain a total of five hours of CE. For more information, go to our website, bulletproofhygiene.com and click on the mastery course banner. We hope to see you there. Um, I wanna roll into another segment that I think is super important for family health, team health, is connection and alignment. And I know you feel very strongly on this too because this is what it's all about. Um, you know, working effectively and more importantly, because this is such a big deal to us in Bulletproof, finding fulfillment within our work and team really comes when we feel connected and aligned. And that can be obviously with our mission, our values, and our objectives. And there's a few studies uh, that I came across out there. There's um, the Connecticut, or sorry, the Connected Culture Report um, says that 71% of employees who said they were more productive feel well connected to their colleagues. And there was another McKinsey report that said well-connected teams see a productivity increase of 20 to 25%. And we know that a team that is engaged and connected is vital to the health of the practice. So Erica, tell me what you have found to be helpful in really making sure everyone is aligned and on the same page and just creating that connection on the alignment front. Absolutely. You know, it's, it's, being consistent on who you say that you're going to be and building in a lot of redundancy 
in that vision, that mission, the values, the goals, the objectives. So being a really good communicator on the expectations that you have for your team. So it's like defining the game. You know, what game are you playing? You're playing football, you're playing soccer. You know, the team has to know to come in. What, what's, what uniform do they have to wear? What equipment do they need? How many goals do they need to, you know, to, to win? How do I get a goal? You know, is it a basketball through the hoop? Is it, you know, a soccer ball through the net? Like, what do I need to do so that I understand that I'm doing a good job? Give them the tools so they can also self-assess to know if they're winning or losing. So we do a lot of these things. Um, when we created our core values, our mission and vision statements, we did it as a team. It That worked for us. And it's okay in your environment if the doctor office manager wants to create it and then, you know, disseminate to the team. That's okay too. But in our environment, what we found is that the more collaboration you have and the more people participate in creating and building what the practice is going to be, the more buy-in they already have. Because I know, and there are certain times, you know, where if someone says, hey, this is how it's going to be, or this is what you're going to do. There may be times where I'm like, uh-uh, just because I want to be spiteful, or I'm in a mood, or I'm like, no, <laughs> who are you to tell me that, right? But if I am a part of creating what it is that we're going to change or what it is going to be, then, you know, I'm I'm tied to it because I can't not do it. I just said to do it. So I have to be consistent with myself. So we create those together. After we create them, we actually put our core values, our mission and vision statements on a, a hard business card. And so every, sing, every single team member has that. All new team members get this business card just as a reminder. And then everything we do, our values, our mission, our vision are interwoven within that. So those quarterly check-ins, the very first four questions on there, because we have four core values, is um, write a sentence on how you demonstrate or you live out one of our values. Create, lead, inspire, cultivate. So tell me how you create. Tell me how you lead. Tell me how you inspire. Tell me how you cultivate. So at least four times within that year, each of our team members are having to think, how do I fulfill each of those? We're keeping it present and relevant. Our vision and mission statements, they are printed out and framed all around the office. And they're visible for our patients to see because it's a really cool story. It's something we created together. And it's a way, again, to, to connect, to build relationships, right? It's a conversation starter. But these are all subtle reminders of who we are and who we want to be. And so the team understands this is, we're being rigid in this, like this is it, we said we are, and therefore we will become. When it comes to goals, I mean, that's important. Like, what are we all working towards? I work better with people when I know how, what is it that we're creating? What is the cause? What is, you know, if I'm not having a good day, what's my motivation to come in and make it happen anyways? And so what we do in our huddle room is we have, um, we have a board that we write all of our goals on. We co-collaborate uh, on those goals as a team. We have a team meeting at the beginning of the year in January, and we have one in July just to check up on and see how well we're doing, how close we are to those goals, and if we need to make some changes. But we have those present in the huddle room. That is also where we eat lunch. So those goals are there. They're a reminder of what we're working towards. And again, it's when you set expectations, people understand and know how to help. I mean, I think our, I think it's human nature that we want to help. We just have to know how to help. And so as a leader, 
you have to let your team know where can they help? What is it that they can do? How can they participate and contribute to making the practice successful or delivering the best service to our patients, you know, or being the best team member to each other? So we have to talk about those often. And then everything we do, you have to have that come back up and come back up again. Yeah. And I think that goes back to what we said at the beginning, like when you feel like you're contributing to something, then you are more invested and you are more excited and you're going to work harder and do a better job at it. And I just want to kind of throw a rabbit in here for just a second, because I know that both um, at Atlanta Dental Spot and Spodak, uh, we use the culture index. And I think that's such a great tool because we are all wired very differently. And so it gets easy to always, you know, Brittany and I talk a lot about the me filter that everybody tends to filter everything through, you know, your own individual filter. Like, this is how I think, this is how I feel. So we kind of, you know, can project that onto other people. But the beautiful thing about Culture Index is it gives you kind of a picture of how your team thinks, how they operate, how they're wired. So that when you see somebody doing something different than the way you would do it, you don't have that immediate judgment of like, I don't understand why they're doing that. And that doesn't serve our purpose. Instead, you're able to know, hey, that person is wired this way and they're doing it their way to come to the same place. And it actually becomes this beautiful, almost empowerment of letting everybody function the way they function best, but still achieving their goals. Absolutely. I think, you know, when you talk about that, it's diversity, it's diversity and opinion, it's a diversity in perspective and process. And when you mentioned fulfillment early on, like fulfillment is really just the process of getting closer to who you are authentically and the impact that you're making externally into the world, right? And and I say to the world and not to be like, so, oh my gosh, like who am I, the world that sounds too crazy and too big out there. Your world could be your son or your daughter. Your world could be your immediate family. Your world could be your community. Your world could be your church. You know, you can define what your world is. It's as large or as small as, as the definition that you want it to be. But fulfillment comes from being you, using your skill sets to achieve something greater than just you. It's selflessness. And um, yeah, I think that you're able to help people have more fulfillment and joy within their their career when they feel like they're a part of using their strengths, their talents, their gifts within the practice. Yeah, 100%. So I want to slide into, and I think this is probably the biggest part of the conversation and this just across the board for everything in life, but healthy family, healthy team revolves around good communication. Um, You know, and I think that this is a very common place where a lot of us fail Um, you know, I kind of feel like we should re-implement some really good communication strategies and actually teach that to our children, because I'm not sure all of us are really, really healthy at that. But, um, you know, we, it's easy to kind of slip into kind of that assuming role, that judging or criticizing more than we do the appreciating, acknowledging what is working. And so we're hardwired to look for what's wrong. Um, it's a mechanism that has kept us alive for a long time. Um, obviously back in the caveman day, we had to look for what would hurt us, what would injure us and, you know, remove us from our community or potentially kill us. So when we're really good at identifying threats, we're not as good, you know, we're going to survive, but we're not as good as really building those around us. So I want to talk about good communication and what you have done at Spodak to really let that thrive. 
Yeah. And, you know, to your point and, you know, the, the story, the relatable story that you just gave, you know, we actually connect through adversity. And so that is part of the, the problem, you know, it's like, okay, we're talking about connection. Well, yeah, you can actually have toxic connection too. And so think about it. Monday sucks. How many people connect and identify and relate to that? And then they come together. Now you have a commonality and now you're like, cool, Monday sucks. Yeah. I think Monday sucks. Cool. We're, we're, we're cool. Cause Monday sucks. And you know, it is, it's harder and a little bit more um, unusual to focus around like the positivity, especially in society these days for the people that, you know, talk about being positive, being constructive, you know, you're labeled an optimist and you're labeled like, oh, okay, that's frou-frou or that's not reality or that's, you know, not real life. And so we're kind of going against society in a little bit by really creating something that um, we're focusing more on that positivity and not accepting that life has to be negative and we choose. Um, so many times that we have patients come into our office because people feel what you really believe. There, there is that sixth sense that, you know, you can, um, you can sense an emotion. You can feel it without anything being said. I mean, it's just, it's there. There's an energy and a presence. And so, we hear so many times where people come in and they'll even say, is everyone on nitrous in here? I mean, everybody's just so positive and happy, but they're saying it almost like in a negative way, like a disbelief, like in a way of saying like, is this real? You know, like this, something's got to be wrong, right? Because there, it's not usual and it's not normal. And so we have to normalize that, you know, within our practices. And the more consistent you are on that, the um, the more that, that that will happen. So how do we do that? How do we get there? And how do we relate in a more um, constructive way? And, and communication, we have to understand communication will always be flawed because you have the the words that you're using, your intent, and then you have the meaning someone else is giving. I will have very different meanings to words than other people at times. And so I may be very clear and specific in my meeting, but their interpretation can be very different and that can be an upset. So when it comes to communication, um, and especially when you're talking about defusing situations is you just have to understand that if someone is taking what you said in the wrong way, they just have a different meaning behind it. It's not personal. You know, it is, it's a way for you to then clarify and you clarify with questions. So, um, I like to ask a lot more questions when it comes to communicating versus jumping to the conclusions, you know, or assigning a, a prison state, you know, a sentence to somebody. So I like to say, hey, is everything okay, right? First and foremost, now everything's okay. Now I can say, hey, I'm just curious what happened the other day when you didn't take the trash out, right? Or like, I just want to find out what the intent was, what the story was behind it so that I can best understand how to resolve it. Because really at the end of the day, it doesn't do anyone good to try to resolve a conflict with who won, you know? And I think that that's the default is like when we resolve conflicts, people are trying to resolve it into a winner loser. When you're in a conflict, it's always loser loser. And people just don't realize that. So what we're really trying to do is we're really trying to get back to a harmonious state where we can work together again and where we can see eye to eye. And we're just establishing common ground. We're establishing like, how do we connect? How do we relate? You know, and um, when it comes to office relationships and that communication there, 
And the more you know about your team and what their goals are and desires, you can communicate in ways that are meaningful to them. You know, back to that me filter, you know, that you had stated before is that I will resolve conflicts in the way I want conflicts to be resolved with me, you know? And so the same thing with the other people uh, that you're dealing with. So you have to know how to be flexible and have to, you know, pivot into bend um, to be able to relate to people. Um, I would also say communication wise, when you leave out specifics, when you're generic and vague, there's too much for people to have to fill in the blanks. So if you're that communicator where you kind of send out like a generic message, but you have a really specific one in the back of your mind, um, you will get ambiguity or you will get people executing that vision or whatever it is that communication is if you weren't clear. And I'll give an example here. So if I said, and this has happened, so this is a real life example of me not communicating where I thought it was like pretty black and white and it wasn't. So I said, we business team, you need to make confirmation calls. Okay. So make confirmation calls. Like for me, I'm like very clear. And you know what I got? People made confirmation calls. But where did the upset happen? The upset happened was they made the call. They didn't make a confirmation um, confirmation. They didn't, they didn't receive the patient's acknowledgement of the confirmation back. So they called the patient, but it was still a left message. It was still not connected. So I wanted a confirmation connection. And the way that I, I did it to my team, so they literally fulfilled exactly what I said. I got what I said I wanted. And as a leader, I have to own that, right? I have to own that I was probably not clear or, you know, I was vague in some sort of way. And so I had to come back again and say, you know what, this is what I mean. What I mean is I want a response back from the patient so that I know they know they're coming. That's what I meant. And so communication, right? It's messy and we have interpretation and sometimes you get exactly what you want or what you said, but that's not what you wanted. And you have to go back to the drawing board. Um, how you can be a really emotional evolved leader is that when your team is doing something, the opposite of what you said, look internally first and see, is it possible that maybe you didn't communicate clearly? And that's, that's a you thing you can fix. Then re-communicate what it is that you actually meant versus assuming the team was doing something malicious or not doing their job or just doing things wrong. So that can really help to avoid future conflicts and upsets. Yeah. And I think, you know, we had just talked about connection and alignment. And I think that's why having that is so important when it comes to the communication aspect, because if you and I know that we're aligned on the same goal, we're heading in the same direction, but I see you do something that I don't necessarily understand I can know ahead of time, like, hey, Erica's on the same page with me. She might be doing it a little different. Let me check in and see, you know, how she's going to get there with this. Like, I just think having that that backstory is so, so important for moving forward. Because I think a lot of times we tend to upsets, you know, create those negative emotions in us. And again, I think when we are more upset, we definitely dive more into the me filter and it becomes a much more emotional issue than it necessarily has to be. 
because especially in the dental world, we are dealing with a lot of details and a lot of information and, you know, honestly, a lot of legality in how we take care of our patients. There's a lot of rules around we, how we have to do this in a very proper way. And so, you know, it, I sometimes see the flip get the script get flipped where it goes from being something that's just a data point that, you know, we got to correct to it becoming a very emotional situation. And it doesn't have to be that. And that's something that I have watched you navigate in the past. And I've really um, been enamored by that, that you are able to kind of separate and say, hey, this isn't a personal issue. This isn't an attack on who you are as a person or how you're doing something. This has to do, you know, you said to me in the past, does it serve the practice well? And I think that's something that I wanted you to talk about because I just think you are so grounded in that. And that's so important for resolving practice conflict. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think it's understanding that there are many sides. And so you have, you have to create that the triple win. I think we've talked about that before. And certainly within the bulletproof ecosystem is that when you have a good decision, and certainly there is a decision that has to be made when there's a conflict or an upset on behalf of the leader is, is this going to end up being a win for the team? a win for the practice and a win for the patient. And so when you can put a check mark by each of those, that's a good indication that that decision is probably right. It's not foolproof, of course, but you're probably heading in the right direction. Um, and I think that back to when you mentioned culture index and culture index is really a way for you to understand that me filter and understand what your natural tendencies are and your gifts and your strengths and your weaknesses. And so there are people within our practice that have the um, that have similar or have opposite skill sets and knowing that you have the right team in the right positions to navigate these things. And so I am definitely a little more stoic. I'm definitely a little bit higher logic and less emotional when it comes to those things. So resolving upsets when you have somebody like that that does it well is going to do a little bit of a better job than somebody that might be more emotional or more reactive. But when you have people that are more emotional and more reactive, those are the people that you want cheerleaders within your practice. And so their role and their position is going to be getting everyone excited about the goals, getting everyone excited about achieving that mission, um, bringing people together, connecting people, you know, because people connect through emotion, they don't connect through process. It will never happen. Okay. So for a me where I'm a process and less emotional, I'm not going to be as good as, as a team connector as somebody that is, right? So there is no right or wrong or good or bad person. Um, it's just understanding we have to have the right people on the right seats of the bus to, to resolve those. So um, if you are listening and you're a practice leader and you're maybe doing a self-assessment and maybe you're more of that emotional leaning person, which is totally fine. That's great. You're going to be a, a wonderful team connector and people are going to love you and your patients are going to love you. Um Maybe think about having somebody else within the practice that might have some of those more stoic qualities being that point person that will help to resolve the conflicts within the practice um, because they'll look at it a little bit more objectively um, and uh, and won't be as reactionary. Um, I, I also think that um, it's just my filter to look at it that way, you know, in and, and, and all honesty. And I think that, um, again, what I believe really shows through. And I really believe that um, everyone's great in their own way. And that even when we have hiccups, that doesn't mean that you're a good or bad person. I think sometimes 
our automatic is to assign that. If someone does you wrong, in your opinion, by the way, right? Someone doing some something wrong to you is really your opinion because they may have no idea that that was a wrong for you. They probably had no clue. Um, so now we've attached a label to make us feel better in some way to say bad person, you know, or rude person or whatever it happens to be. Um, and, and then there we go. And we, we label this person and it isn't about good or bad. Um, we all have good, we all have bad. And again, so understanding, um, this is the logical brain coming through is like at the end of the day, I want everyone to feel great. And however we get there, um, I'm willing to work through that. And when it comes to team members, and maybe there are some team members that cause a little more trouble than others, before we just write them off, bad team member, not a fit. I'm going to work with that person and through that person because my ultimate goal is to have successful relationships. You know, I want this to work and I'm going to take ownership and do what, my, what I can in my part to make it work. And then at the end of the day, I mean, if it's still not working, then that's fine, but at least I tried. And so it's understanding your belief system. You can navigate conflict so much better when you have a belief system that you genuinely want it to be better. And it's not about being right or wrong, good or bad. You have to remove those, those mindsets and those judgments and assumptions and the labels. Right, right. What do you guys have in place? In Spodak, how do you manage conflict issues? If you have a team member that comes to you and has a concern about something, how do you typically direct that? What's that? What does that look like? Yeah. So typically what will happen is I'll have somebody that's angry that storms into my office and is like, Becky didn't take out the trash last night. And I'm, I'm sick of it because that happened last week too. Right. And so again, as an office manager, maybe you might get caught up in the emotion because you feel that person's energy and you might be like, Oh, damn it, Becky seriously, you know, and that might be your instant reaction. And then you're, you're connecting with the person that's telling you about this. And then you're like, yeah, that's right. You know, you shouldn't have to be feeling that way and doing the trash. That's wrong. I'm going to talk to Becky. Okay. So, um, someone gives you information, right. And the way that, that I do is that I listen to the information and I don't pass judgment or, pass a prison sentence because I don't have the other side of the story. I don't have all of the information and what creates a toxic environment and you can potentially lose really good people is if you have somebody, especially a leader or an office manager or practice owner that constantly comes in to persecute you. And then you're constantly on the defense, you know, kind of trying to reason why like, oh my gosh, like you have the whole wrong story or, oh, I, you know, didn't have bad intent or, oh, I didn't know you weren't clear with the instructions. So how would I have done it that way? You're going to feel like you're getting hammered and hammered and hammered. And that's not a good environment. Like you're walking on eggshells. So um, I get the information from that team member and how I helped to diffuse that situation with that person at the time. As I said, you know, um, do you think Becky intended to make you mad by not taking out the trash? You know, do you think that she meant it? to, to make you mad. And, you know, almost always they're like, no, I don't think she meant to make me mad. Right. So now I'm starting to say like, let's question how certain you are in that feeling and that belief. It's like, cool. You know, do you have all of the information? Did you ever ask Becky why she didn't take out the trash? Like, does Becky even know that that was something that she needed to do? Like, have you been communicating? Cause I think a big fail is that oftentimes team members will come to us. They're watching someone fail. 
over and over again, expecting for some reason that this person's going to change a behavior. And so my question back is, have you told them that this behavior is not something that we do? And then the answer is no. Well, I haven't. Okay. So when you've watched them do it four times and now the fifth time you're so irritated, you're coming to me. Why would you expect them to do anything different? The first four times you watch them, like you are watching someone fail. And remember our core belief is to help build people and to help get us better. And people avoid having those corrective conversations because they feel like that will be a sense of conflict. Like someone's picking on me or micromanaging or whatever happens to be. And what they're actually really doing is creating a larger conflict and they're watching somebody that's potentially good or has good intentions, um, you know, failing. It's like watching somebody walk into, you know, into a busy highway. Like I would hope that someone would like, oh, my warning flags, like, let me know. Don't just watch it. And so when I go to Becky, let's say, you know, with, with the trash, my very first thing again is asking those questions. So I'll say, hey, Becky, um, I heard that you didn't take the trash out last night. Can you tell me a little bit why? And so now I have the opportunity to hear what that happens to be. And so, okay, so if it's an excuse, then we talk about, you know, how we how we fix and resolve that. But maybe something valid happened. So maybe Becky said, hey, you know, I actually got a call from my son's school that he was really sick and I just had to drop everything and leave. I actually told Vanessa to take my trash out for me. So then the person that came in maybe didn't know Vanessa was supposed to do it. And Vanessa was the one that dropped the ball. It wasn't Becky. So we're directing all of this anger and upset towards somebody that actually passed the baton and that person was the one that needed to be hold, held accountable, right? Um, so there is so many times where we don't have all of the information that may be valid or maybe relative and we make things so much worse by, you know, persecuting someone or making them out to be bad or making them out to not fulfilling their job. Now, if it's a recurrent thing, Becky does it again. Um, now I'm setting expectations and that's going to be really important. So it's going to say, Hey, Becky, um, you know, I really appreciate you passing the baton to Vanessa and she, you know, and she didn't do it. So what I need you to do, if this happens again, absolutely pass that baton. That's great. But let me know so that I know if the trash isn't done, I know who to go to. So now like closing the communication loop, there's the expectation. Becky now knows, please also communicate with me or communicate with whoever so that we can just make sure it's done. At the end of the day, the result is trash needs to go out. I don't care who does it. It just needs to be done. So um, when you correct, you want to ask questions first. Get the full side of the story. Once you have that, then you want to make sure that team member really understood the expectation. So now you can coach. So now you can say, okay, when if this happens again, this needs to be done X, Y, and Z. Usually communication stops after that if it even gets that far, typically. The last part that you have to include is, do you have any questions? Does that make sense? Is there anything else that I can answer for you? Because we may assume again that they understood that direction. And if they really didn't, you need to give them permission to ask the clarifying questions back. Yeah, that's huge. And we don't have to dig too much into it, but I just want to say too that I feel like in 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 the direction of having a healthy team and healthy family, you always want to avoid the gossip aspect of it because, like you said, people get uncomfortable and they view that confrontation as negative, so they don't want to have it. So instead, they tend to go to another team member and then take their perception and their perspective and pass that to them, and it can really, really be a toxic thing. So I know 
you know, going to the person that you have an issue with directly. And again, if you can come without that, those assumptions and judgments and just say, hey, I wanted to check in. And honestly, you know, this is another aspect that I wanted to just talk briefly on, but healthy team has support. They support each other. And it's really hard to, you know, we juggle a lot of balls in dentistry. Every single position has so many things that they are managing and taking care of that the reality is balls get dropped every day, you know, and, and sometimes that's our issue. And sometimes it's not, sometimes the patient came late or that procedure took longer than we thought it would, or it didn't go the way we wanted it to, you know, maybe that insurance isn't correct. There's so many, many details that can kind of derail the train and communication is so important to where I need support. Hey, this went wrong. Could you help me? And so I think if we can just directly go to that person and in this instance, like the trash situation, just, Hey, you know, I noticed that didn't get done yesterday. You know, could I have helped you with that? Was there something going on? Like, I think just if we as team without necessarily having to always go to, you know, upper level, you know, management to kind of just go directly to that person and not gossip to someone else, I think that would save a whole lot of time and energy as well. So I just wanted to promo that I'm a big no gossip girl. So I just think that promotes a lot of team health and stability. It does. And, you know, I just want to mention, so when it came back to like values, right. Um, And communication and miscommunication. So one of our values that we wrote together as a team, it was, um, you know, we agree to go um, directly to the person. If we have an upset to have open and honest communication. So, what ended up happening, so we changed this, we had to change this. <laughs> um, what ended up happening is people would say, well, I'm coming to you directly and I'm going to tell you exactly how you feel because I'm being open and honest and I don't like it. And I think that sucked, right? And so you had people like, boom, I did it. I'm living at our values. I'm literally coming to this person directly and I'm telling them exactly how I feel, you know? And I was like, okay, that's not what we meant. Right. So we had to go back to the drawing board. We did this as a team because we were like, hey, guys, <laughs> how is this working out? Right. Um, not what we intended. And so we modified that to mean um, that we are open to having positive and constructive feedback and conversations. And so that's what we meant is like we need to work through it and we need to talk about it. We can't stop it. So on the opposite end, you know. Part of what some of the issue is, is that for the people that are unwilling to have the conversation and they want to stop it or they'll say, you know, it'll just, it's not that big of a deal. I'll roll it off. Well, then something else happens and they're going to say, oh, okay, bothers me a little bit more, but I'm going to let it roll it off. And then now the third, fourth time, it becomes a huge deal because they stuffed and never resolved that underlying upset. Um, so yeah, communication is important. The, t- the right type of communication is going to be again, positive and constructive because at the end of the day, um, regardless of who you're having that upset with, what do you want? What's the result that you want? I think, I hope the result is that we can again, get the common ground, see eye to eye, work together again, be collaborative. Um, you know, and I tell my team, I get it. We have all different types of skill sets and personalities. I'm not asking you to be best friends. Um, but I'm, I'm asking you to have a, a um, constructive, positive professional relationship. And so that is what we agree to have within the practice. So, um, yeah, it, it's, it's funny. Communication, no matter how direct and literal you think you're being, it is always subject to the person interpreting. Um, and so be flexible, modify, um, you know, re-communicate, re-clarify. Um, and certainly for anybody in any position, 
um, start by taking ownership first. Stop, start by being the first one to be accountable. Um, and then again, if there's no right or wrong or win or loser, there's nothing wrong with being the first person to say, you know what, I have some role in this, or maybe I have some role in making this worse. I'm sorry. And that really helps to diffuse the situation too, yeah. because inevitably um, the other person might say, you know what, I'm sorry too, uh, you know, blah, blah, blah. So it's like someone eventually has to be that bigger person to admit that they were a part of that problem too, um, and to apologize. Yeah, for sure. And at the end of the day, like I said, this is, this is our family. We spend more time here than anywhere else. So ideally, hopefully we want it all to feel good to us and to, you know, be healthy and be functional. So um, just like with our families at home, there are times we have to be the bigger person and say, oh man, I really messed that up or, oh, I'm really sorry. Like, let's fix this. So I think that's the best segue into, um, the other segment I want to talk about, which is trust and accountability. And I, I think it's fair to say that all of us operate at our best and highest level when we feel safe and a really great work family will create and nurture a culture of trust. And as a necessary byproduct, accountability, you know, we're talking about accountability in this, especially in conflicts. And, you know, when I know I can trust you as my practice director, I can go to you with ideas and issues and concerns and wins and, and really contribute to the practice growth and health. And if I don't feel safe sharing and I don't address problems or issues, I stuff those things that really aren't serving the practice, then I start pulling away and getting resentful. And as we know, that breaks the chain of teamwork and connection. So we must be able to trust each other. And I really think this circles back to alignment, knowing we're all in and focused and on going in the same direction and mission. And this is where I think we have to throw grace like confetti, um, because in my brain, trust is what breeds accountability. And that's vital, especially, like I said, in a profession where we are legally responsible for the care of others and all the details that are involved in that process. Um, and honestly, there's really a lot to be accountable for. And like I said, things go off the rails. So, you know, I just want to kind of round things off with saying, you know, that trust in each other in that we are going in the right direction and that we are going to make the best decision. And when we see somebody drop a ball, it's not a judgment. It's a, hey, let me help you pick that up. Let's let's do this together is so, so important for not just the practice health, but patient care and what we get to do and that heavy responsibility that we carry. Absolutely. You know, and I think that to, to your point, you know, you see somebody drop the ball or maybe they they didn't rotate their room and they're on to their next patient and they're in another room, you know, so you could easily be like, well, psh, I'm not cleaning that room, you know, like that person didn't clean it, they can come back and clean it. Or you can say, you know, what would be so amazing and like a gift is let me take the three minutes or five minutes it takes clean the room. Because when that person comes back to it after a long, tired day, things ran behind, you never know what happened. And they're going to say, oh, you know what? I can go home a little less late than I would have. Or yeah. person and I felt supported and loved and taken care for. Yes. Yeah. And I think sometimes we get into, you know, we all, we, we get moody and we get into these moods where we feel like that person needs to be pulling their weight. You know, we're trying to assess fairness, like, oh, well, I gave this much. So this person needs to give this much. And if they didn't, well, they need to do it, you know, when they get a chance to, because I'm not doing it. And so, um, there's a, it's, there's a thing called the zero 100 rule. Um, and it is about relationships. So when you're in a relationship, um, 
if you give a hundred percent expecting nothing in return, because when you give to your fullest for the sake of giving and you don't have that expectation to receive, there's no upset because you're giving out of the beauty and the kindness of giving because that's who you are. When we have the expectation of something in return that we we will always be disappointed because inevitably it will not meet that expectation. You know, maybe sometimes that person gives, but they don't give as much, you know, or so give for the sake of giving, do for the sake of doing, because that's who you are and that's what you represent. Um, and stop wasting time with having to assess who who's pulled enough weight, right? Um, and I think that that really helps to mend a, a lot of relationships too. Yeah, for sure. Well, I want to just circle back here at the very end to kind of where we started with, um, you know, there's the statement that families that play together stay together. And I know we talked at the very beginning about doing things outside of the practice walls, getting to know each other on a personal level. And that's so, so important because again, we, when it comes down to it at the end of the day, we are all individuals that want to be loved and cared for. Our patients are coming in with that mindset. Um, we are coming in with that mindset. So really just having some fun together is so, so important. And so on that note, I just wanted to plug that we have a Bulletproof Summit coming up in 2023, and we want to invite all of you and your teams to come play together. Come hang out outside of the office, build your team, learn how to acknowledge each other, learn how to communicate more effectively. Come hang out with us and let's have fun. And super exciting this year because it is in Vegas. So talk about playing together. It is the perfect environment for that. So if you haven't already, start to blocking your patient care schedule to come join us because this is going to happen in August uh, 11th and 12th in Vegas. We're staying at the Wynn, which is a fabulous venue. Um, and I know Eric is going to be there. I'm going to be there. Brittany's going to be there. The whole Bulletproof team is going to be there. And we are ready to have a lot of fun together. So if you haven't planned it yet, it's time. Get it on your book. Erica, I am so appreciative of your time, your knowledge, your commitment to what you do. Um, you are fabulous at it and you are definitely sitting in the right seat. So thank you for sharing with us today um, your passions and we look to look forward to hearing more from you in the future. Thank you so much, Risha. And you know, thank you for doing what you're doing. You know, this podcast and helping the community and giving out this information. It's so um, invaluable and it's noble. And you know what, to your point, this is... Um, People may not know, this is a weekend where we're recording this and it's on our own time and it's all in efforts to help build a community of like-minded people within our profession to be better and to grow and to learn and certainly through our mistakes and through our wins. And I want to acknowledge you for, for doing this and to being so generous with your time. Well, thank you very much for that, Erica. Right back at you. Welcome. <laughs> Have a wonderful week and we'll see you next week on the Bulletproof Hygiene Podcast. Bye-bye, everybody. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Bulletproof Hygiene Podcast. We hope you've had as much fun as we have. Don't forget to click subscribe for a lot more where this came from. We appreciate your support and promise to keep the hygiene gems coming. Keep track of upcoming Bulletproof Hygiene events by visiting bulletproofhygiene.com or download the Mighty Networks app and search Bulletproof Hygiene to stay connected. We want to hear from you.